Newport, Barnet, Gillingham, Doncaster, Oldham, Portsmouth, Bristol City and Accrington Stanley. The magic is alive and well there. 459,269 to 1 were the odds on the Great Eight upsetting the form book. What a prize that would have been if only Joe Crilly had told us or built a time machine. This is the Totally Could Have Been Richer But We Ain't Football League show. Yes, it's me, Matt Davis-Adams, back to guide you through what happened at the weekend for the EFL teams in the FA Cup and all the latest from Leagues 1 and 2. But I can't do it alone. So here in the studio, I'm joined by FA Youth Cup winner 1994, Adrian Clark. Yeah, it's, that's actually factually incorrect. It's always been on my bio, but it never happened and I've never taken it off. So... You know, I'll stick with it. Thank you. Did you? Were you part of the squad and didn't get? No, I was ninety-one to ninety-three. Okay, but I've taken credit for it for this long, so I'm not going (laughs) to turn it down now. Sam, you did win the EFL trophy in two thousand nine, didn't you? Yeah, but my eyes lit up there. I didn't know that Adrian was an FA Youth Cup winner, and I'm disappointed for him, but quite pleased in a way that he hasn't got that one over me. <laughs> Semi-finalist for me, <laughs> and the recipient of many gold stars for being a brave boy at the dentist. Apparently, Joe Crilly. Hi, yeah, I'm, I am a very brave boy. Thank you. Um, we'll give you your moment to rant later on about the Christian Deutsch situation, but first, some breaking news on this Tuesday morning as Champions-elect Stoke City sack manager Gary Rowett. A club statement read: Stoke City have terminated the contract of manager Gary Rowett. Members of his immediate coaching staff have also left the Bet365 Stadium. The club would like to thank Gary and his staff for their efforts over the past eight months. A new managerial appointment will be made as swiftly as possible, but in the meantime, Rory Delap, Kevin Russell and Andy Key, I think that's how you say his name, will take charge of first team affairs. Thomas asks, are Stoke in crisis now? I mean, Sam, they were anyway, weren't they? Virgin on that, I would suppose, but... It's just not really worked from day one. I don't think the fans have, have taken to him. I've tried to have a look at some of their games the last few weeks and really put my finger on what's been going wrong. It's difficult because they've got all the players and the ammunition. I think one of the ingredients must have been a bit of a hangover from the from the Premier League relegation. Um, a lot of the players will have to take part of the blame, the responsibility for Gary Rowett losing his job. I think it boils down to a bit of creativity. I think... Ryan Woods has come in. He's obviously had some really good games. I think the fans have taken to him, but doing it in the wrong area of the pitch, quite deep. And in front of him, Joe Allen, Atibo, Klukas, not really creative forces. So I think the football's a bit pragmatic, a bit side to side. That's kind of my conclusion from it. And they want, I suppose, to be seeing football, which will get them to the edge of their seats, get them off their seats and just be a bit of excited like they're getting down the road at Derby County. That's my take on it. And obviously that's what they'll be looking for from the new manager. In terms of Gary Rowett, Adrian, he's in an unenviable position now, isn't he? Because he couldn't leave Derby quickly enough. He kind of, his job at Birmingham was almost made to look better by what came after him with Gianfranco Zola. But we know how quickly in the EFL you can be forgotten about and, and the good stuff you've done in your career like he did at Burton will quickly be surpassed by the bad stuff that's happened to him at Stokes. Where, where for him next? Oh, good question. Yeah, it's, it's a difficult one, that's for sure. I don't think we should downplay what he did at Birmingham. I think he did a, a terrific job there and deserved the Derby post. And what he did there by, by walking out on them was a risk and it's backfired so badly on him, hasn't it? So, so no, his reputation is, is dented. I, I, I don't think there'll be a queue of clubs around the block going for him in the immediate future but he'll be fine I think his stock is is high enough to get another job in the championship maybe with a bigger league one outfit he is pragmatic I, I think the what I take away from the Stoke regime is that it never really seemed very happy 
the relationship between him and his players reminded me a bit of Jose Mourinho at Manchester United, where it never seemed to be on the same page. There seemed to be... You didn't hear the players raving at all about about Rowett. And every time we saw Rowett on TV, he, he was quite scathing of his team and very frosty. And he never seemed completely content. So it'll be fascinating to see what they do next. They probably could do with a... A good man manager, someone that can up, uplift the morale in the dressing room because the players are there, aren't they? I also think that you mentioned about creativity, Sam. I think both ends of the pitch was a problem. Centre half, bad decision to bring in Ashley Williams on loan. I think he's a busted flush. I think his legs have gone. I also think that Ryan Shawcross, his best days are well behind him. I would, I would change the two centre halves pretty much straight away and also getting a, a front man. I'm not sold on Benekophobia anymore, unfortunately, as a frontline championship striker and, and Berahino, yeah, I can't I can't buy into him being the saviour and Peter Crouch is obviously closer to my age than most of his teammates. So so no, I think both ends of the pitch was a problem. And, and quite an unusual approach from Stoke. You think how much time they gave Mark Hughes last season? They've been pretty ruthless this time around. Yeah, I, I, I think that's because they know that their squad should be at least top six should be should be on paper i mean you look at the names on the list it's 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 ridiculous really i always feel that boards are across it especially there's a lot of experienced players at stoke and i would imagine that the board the chairman directors will be will have been in the ears of the players this always happens at football clubs no matter how big or small and if they're getting the feeling that the players are not enjoying working for row and they're not really having him and results are bad that's when the trigger gets pulled. I just get the feeling that's what's happened. Sam, the Shrewsbury game on Saturday was, was Rowett's last stand. They were very, very close to losing that. I guess Shrewsbury will be, be potentially a little bit disappointed that he's gone before the replay because maybe there goes their chance of winning that too. Yeah, it seemed like it was a bit of a toxic atmosphere, especially coming from the away end. And they would have sensed that Shrewsbury and, and known they had a, a good chance of getting through. Uh, I think the three subs obviously made a huge impact for Gary Rowett and obviously got them a draw on the day. But and I agree with Adrian, really. You look at the names, you look at McLean, uh, a phobie. These players have got to take the responsibility as well. Berahino has shown better form, as has Williams and Shawcross in recent weeks, but it's it's not been enough, really. And, you know, for Berahino to to all of a sudden resurrect his career, you're asking for a lot for the new manager. So... I'm going to be fascinated to see which way they go. Obviously, I, I believe the owners will still feel they have a chance of getting promoted this year. So it won't be a, it might be someone who's been a firefighter in the past, but it will be a different task for them to try and get a team into the playoff picture. Well, Joe, let's talk about the next manager. The, the ink's not even dry on Rowett's P45 yet, but I bet you've got a market on who it's going to be next. Yeah, we have. Uh, and actually, one of our compilers is a Stoke fan, so he was uh, pretty swift in pricing this market up. Obviously, with the news still breaking, not breaking, but having just broken, these prices will probably fluctuate quite a lot. But as it stands, David Moyes has been backed in from 6 to 5 into 4 to 6. Sam Allardyce is the second favourite at 7 to 1, so quite some way back. So certainly at the moment, it looks like David Moyes is the front runner for the job. Just a couple of other names in there, McInnes and Yukanovic, both at 10 to 1, Martin O'Neill at 12s, and then the rest are 20 or bigger. You're listening to the Totally Football League show in association with William Hill. All right, well, let's talk about the action on the pitch this weekend. Despite the nominative pressures of the show, we're going to start with the FA Cup. Uh, eight teams bested sides from the league above. We touched on it at the top as to who those were. Sam, who was the most shocking of all the shocks from your perspective? Oldham, I suppose, at Fulham. Um, Came from behind, away from home. Yeah, considering they've got the 
former under 12s manager or whatever in charge, Pete Wilde. Um, incredible story. Supposed to be there having a few cans of his pals on the old Virgin Pendolino. Ends up on the touchline. So, yeah, a, a brilliant story. I've seen Oldham in the competition so far. They've got some decent players. And, you know, I ranted a little bit about Frankie Bunn's sacking last week. It's not a brilliant thing that's going on at the moment in terms of the owner's in, involvement at the football club, but a fantastic display. And Surridge is a big player for them on the score sheet again. And I know there's some kind of... Um, I, I think they're unsure as to whether they're going to be able to keep him for the season. He seems to be linked with a number of other clubs. I thought it was a season-long loan, but he's a major player for them and it's going to get them goals. So who do they get in the next round? Away at Doncaster. Yeah, not a great one. But um, a winnable one, they could get round to the uh, into the fifth round. What about a celebration from uh, Peter Wilde? Celebration of the day of the weekend for me. The, the instinctive star jump. Did you see it? You just see completely out of control with the excitement, and he did these crazy, crazy star jumps on the touchlines. It's great story for him. I mean, the, the fact that he had a ticket for the game. I mean, he's I mean, it's remarkable. He's got to quit now, hasn't he? But he, he's never going to better that. He's won two league games. He's won away at a Premier League club. He's a supporter slash academy manager every so often. We know how it goes when you put the caretaker in charge. You do all right for five games, then it all goes wrong. He's the ultimate supporter now, isn't he? On the terraces. Well, what have you ever done? Well, one at Fulham, mate. What about you? It's yeah. not going to get better than that it, for him, it, is probably it? Probably not, no. So, yeah, yeah, quit while you're ahead, I guess, in, in football. Quick word for the keeper. I thought, thought he did brilliantly. Love uh, it when a keeper celebrates a save, when uh, he saved the penalty. It was Big a proper celebration, that. wasn't it? And, and the cross to former left winger myself, Nepa Machino's uh, left wing centre for that, that header from Lang that won it was just a dreamy cross. So well played, well played. I did actually tip that one up on the morning of the game on the radio. So I just thought Fulham were there there for the taking. I think Gillingham did really well It's against Cardiff. It was always going to be a, an ugly game. It was going to be a scrap, but I thought that would have suited Cardiff. The fact that Gillingham sort of outbattled them and you know they had their moments here. I don't think it was a fluke victory by any stretch of the imagination. They didn't ride their luck that much. Well played the Jills and um, no surprise again, our friend Tom Eves made the goal this time around. And what I enjoyed about this is that he bullied off the centre-half to Neil Morrison, who stayed on the deck. I don't know if you saw the replay. He basically stayed on the deck moaning inside the box. Now, I don't think Neil Warnock would, will forgive that easily. That words will have been had in the dressing room because you play on, don't you? You play to the whistle and uh, he got beaten up there by Eves. Luckily, Neil Warnock took it with his customary uh, good <laughs> grace. Um, we've got to give a mention to Barnet. I know they're not EFL, but winning at Sheffield United, a much-changed Sheffield United side. Chris Wilder less than impressed with his team. The fans didn't boo loud enough, he said. But this story of, of Darren Curry being the caretaker manager, winning at the ground where his Uncle Tony has got a stand named after him. Uncle Tony was in the stand watching on Sheffield United's greatest ever player. It's not like Barnet are pulling up trees in the National League particularly either, are they? They've, they've at 15th amazing win for them yeah I mean I played at two different clubs with Darren what an unbelievable player very much a, a purist I can just remember him and, I, I played against him as well and he, yeah he's very skillful him, him yeah. and Don Hutchison you know talking for hours on end about the way the game should be played and yeah I'm really fascinated to see what he does in his managerial career but in terms of the story it's absolutely wonderful I'd imagine all the Curries were there what a player I mean obviously just from videos but what a player Tony Curry was and it looks like they did it pretty comfortably. I mean, Chris Wilder was very scathing about his side. Arrogant, I think he called them. But yeah, credit Darren Curry. And um, a nice tie to look forward to against Brentford. Probably not the one that they wanted, but a winnable one considering uh, Brentford's recent problems. 
Yeah, and we'll, we'll get back to the shocks in a bit, but Sam, you were at Palace versus Grimsby. Grimsby put forth a brilliant effort in this. They were, they were down to 10 men for most of the game. It took Palace until really late and, and with 34 attempts to finally make the breakthrough and with Jordan Ayew. You, you, you've got some, some thoughts on Michael Jolly, the interesting fella in charge of Grimsby. Yeah, well, it was an amazing display, first and foremost. Losing a player after, I think, 30 seconds, which probably just about was a red card. So they were going to have to be defensive and, you know, ride their luck at times. But I was really fascinated by the way Michael Jolly went about it. He actually went man for man in in the second half. He allowed the two centre-halves of Crystal Palace to be free. Zaha was followed around the pitch by Mitch Rose, Danny Rose's brother. Um, Andros Townsend was picked up man for man. They actually went to IU and um, Wickham down the middle. And they kind of dropped a midfield player back to be spare, Grimsby. And uh, it was just a really interesting way to go about it because Zaha had probably his poorest game of the season. He had no effect on the game at all. Rose was not overawed by it, which I thought was brilliant. Probably helped that he's got a, a famous brother. He put in a remarkable display. And I spoke to Danny Collins, the I think he's the skipper of Grimsby, who's um, injured. He was working for the... BBC Radio and he said that Michael Jolly had worked on this scenario the previous day during training which I think took place at West Ham's training ground and it was reliant on something he'd done when he was manager of Eskilstuna AFC Eskilstuna uh, in Sweden they beat Malmo who are obviously the best side in Sweden and they'd done something similar and beating them 3-1 in 2017 so it's something that I don't think the red card maybe but at a stage of the game when they had to be defensive and um, really shut up shop. That's what they were going to go to. And I just thought it was a really interesting way to try and see a game out. And they very nearly did it. Just finally, they got applauded off by every side of the stadium at Sellers Park. And I just, it reminded me of being a kid a little bit. I'm not someone who harbours on about the FA Cup like it used to be. Those days have gone for me and it's the game's evolved. We've got to live with it. But it was just a, such a nice moment. An underdog getting the reward for a really wholehearted display back to the shocks kind of Accrington won Ipswich nil I mean we kind of saw it coming didn't we Ipswich terrible record in the third round of the cup I think I gave you three games last week and I think they were all draws but the one underneath that I highlighted was Accrington mm, Ipswich. you did say West Ham Birmingham yeah. and that, that was a comfortable yeah, West Ham yeah. win so. I think I've got two replays I'll take that <laughs> okay. Luton are going to beat Sheffield Wednesday I'm confident <laughs> yeah I think everyone saw the um the Atkinson result coming. So uh, you actually got none correct and you're claiming it. Uh, you weren't here. Where were you? <laughs> I was on the beach. Where about your own game? I was on, literally on the beach. Um, yeah, I know. Some little kid predicted it, didn't he, in the marquee at Atkinson? He did. He said it would be Billy Key with the winner. Yeah. I mean, it just gets from bad to worse. Do you know what? Have I got time? Because Don Hutchinson did a really good tweet this morning and it was, since Ipswich last won in the FA Cup, three World Cups, three Prime Ministers, 12 new iPhones, Bournemouth went from League Two right up to the Premier League and Paul Scholes retired, came out of retirement and won the Premier League. It's obviously not the priority for Ipswich this season. We know that. but, But Paul Lambert was really rather cross about this because it's not a good look for him or for the club. No, I wonder if he's regretting um, coming back into the game with, with Ipswich at the moment. He needs to just overhaul the squad. They just don't have enough championship experience, do they? They're obviously demoralised from, from what's happened. 
this season, but but they're just way short on players that are experienced at that level. So he needs an overhaul. He needs uh, some some older heads, and he needs players that have done the business in the championship already. So uh, he started the work, hasn't he? I think Will Keane's come in, but there'll be a lot of others, I would imagine, between now and the end of the month. He said, "Well, he say I need six six players at least." So Port Moreau's going to be fairly busy, I would imagine, this month, and and it needs to be because the way you look at it now, though, that they need a miracle to survive. Accrington get Derby or Southampton at home in the next round. I guess they'd probably prefer Southampton, not just because they're a Premier League club, but they might play a weakened lineup, whereas Derby might go for it more, so they'd have more chance of beating Southampton. Yeah, I think if the the Christmas period is anything to go by, because Southampton made wholesale changes, didn't they, before uh, getting that decent result at Chelsea. So yeah, I'd yeah go along with that type of thinking. I think everyone. The Derby supporters, the Derby players, Southampton likewise will enjoy a trip there. I didn't used to in the lower levels, but I think the way that um, Mr Holt runs the place now, it's a good away day for the supporters. It's still got a degree of romance about it, you would suggest. But yeah, it'll be hard for for Accrington to get through, especially because they've been having a a difficult time in the league and they're not as convincing at the moment as they, they probably were at the start of the season when we were fancying them potentially to have a run at promotion again. Yep, they'll get a few quid as well. Uh, just briefly on Portsmouth winning 1-0 at Norwich. The goal came five minutes into stoppage time. Grant Hanley sent off after 15 minutes for Norwich. Interested in this one, Adrian, in terms of Norwich, well, we're, we're focused on the league. Well, Pompey are trying to get promoted too. So opposing approaches from, from Farker and Jacket. Yeah, really interesting. Kenny Jacket's picked strong teams throughout the competition. And look, I, I'm old-fashioned. I, I back him on, on that. Absolutely. So so they got their, their dues. It was a great goal, by the way, to win it, wasn't it? One of the passes of the day from O'Donoghue, a great counter-attack for Andre Green. But, uh, I mean, they got lucky, let's let's face it, with with the sending off in the first half, even though it was was a dismissal, it was a correct decision. So, so no, well done, Portsmouth. It's, they're not worried about it, disrupting their, derailing their title bid, are they? So that that's how I would be if I was a manager, but... Clearly, Daniel Farker saw it the other way because he made wholesale changes. They're having a wobble, aren't they, Norwich? I think they need to calm down a little bit. They're conceding, conceding too many goals. So Pompey get QPR. Sam, you must still be rubbing your eyes in disbelief that QPR won an FA Cup third round tie without the need for a replay. I, apparently, it's the first time they've done that since that Trevor Sinclair overhead kick against Barnsley right? all those years ago. I was there, yeah. Played for Chelsea in the morning and then, then saw that. Trevor Sinclair won the goal. And uh, I've met him a few times and I've told him how appreciative I have been of <laughs> that goal over the years. Yeah, all the, the ghosts of Vauxhall Motors can now be exercised. I think that was the most high-profile defeat. That said, I watched them the highlights of them lose to Stockport on Twitter this morning as well. Kevin Francis and Andy Priest at Edgley Park as well. So there's been some disasters for Rangers so I think everyone is delighted that they made it to the fourth round and and again two managers that very much shuffled the pack I think there was a, a number of youth prodigies in the the Leeds lineup and of course there's some fantastic young players at QPR at the moment um, Ete getting the, the the penalty kick and Jake Bidwell with a rare goal to get them through so things looking brilliantly at, at QPR at the moment you know I've talked them up a lot recently as I have Hull City and I was at the Den on Sunday and again two managers going slightly different ways probably because of circumstances Neil Harris hasn't got a massive squad but he played the the majority of his team and left his three big guns if you like on the bench Nigel Adkins went with kids on the bench a lot of fringe players in the side and as you got to the latter stages just that strength that Mill could 
call on from the bench was the difference. Shane Ferguson getting the two goals. And in retrospect, I'm sure Nigel Adkins on the way home on the coach is thinking, did I get that right? Because they could have done with some experience to come on and just see that game out. Yeah, two screamers from Shane Ferguson That's as well. Amazing. Every time I go to the den, he gets loads of stick from all the supporters uh, around me. So um, he managed to managed to silence them a bit there. So Millwall through to round four. As are Bolton, 5-2 winners against Walsall. Normally, Joe Crilly, you would be crowing at this point. But we're not really going to talk about the match and we're not going to talk about Josh McGuinness. Apologies to that Bolton striker. He got a hat-trick in the game. We're going to talk about Christian Doidge. So for listeners not up to date with the situation, Doidge joined Bolton on loan from Forest Green at the beginning of the season with the expectation that that would turn into a permanent move this month. However, Forest Green chairman Dale Vince released a statement on Monday saying that was no longer the case as his Bolton counterpart Ken Anderson was not fulfilling promises, including allegedly not paying Doidge's wages for the past four months. (laughs) Dale Vince also compared Ken Anderson to Theresa May. Uh, Bolton responded, we're disappointed to read the statement as the club's been in dialogue with Mr Vince and Forest Green over the situation we're hopeful that a satisfactory resolution will follow now Vince is saying there's no way that Doidge is going back to Bolton it's it's another mess for your club Joe how does it make you feel well I don't don't feel great about it to be honest and we've talked time and time again about Bolton Wanderers on this podcast over the last two years and it's never been for the football apart from when they got promoted and when they avoided relegation it's always been about off-the-pitch issues, wages not being paid on time, not just to playing staff but to, to non-playing staff who perhaps need the, the money slightly more than the, the players do. And so, I mean, Ken Anderson hasn't painted himself in, in a good light for a while now, but it's always kind of been behind closed doors. And what, what Dale Vince has done uh, is he's kind of drawn back the curtain and, and given us a, a glimpse of, of what we assumed was going on but couldn't really confirm. And he and Forest Green have won an awful lot of fans in the Northwest over the last 24 hours, 48 hours. So this is Dale Vince saying what Ken Anderson has said to him. So uh, you can seek a winding up petition. You can bankrupt the club. I don't care. I'm a secured lender. I'll get my money back. You'll get 10p in the pound. Before he went on to say that Ken Anderson is the kind of person who gives football a bad name. So um, it's a shame, obviously. I spent all day yesterday on Twitter just reading Del Vince's Twitter feed, reading Forrest Green's Twitter feed and retweeting as much stuff as I as I could. And he he's actually said on the nineteenth of January, Forrest Green are playing Berry. And he said if Bolton fans turn up in their shirts, they'll get a free pint. And uh if they buy a special edition T shirt that they're gonna make for the game, all of the proceeds will go to the Bolton Wanderers Supporters Trust. Nice touch from Forrest Forrest Green there. What I will say as well, Christian Doidge wasn't having his wages paid by Bolton Wanderers. Forrest Green were paying his wages for the for the last four months. He bought a house last month in Bolton. He's now not going to be living there, so I don't know what will happen with that situation. He 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 wasn't scoring a lot of goals, but he was playing well. He was Bolton Wanderers starting number nine. And he his hold up play was good. His effort was good. I'm sure he will get a move to another club. And he's probably best off out of Bolton Wanderers. But the fact that he bought a house shows that he was looking forward to settling down to this three-year contract that had been agreed with the club. And and it isn't just him who's been affected as well. Bolton had a similar deal with Remy Matthews, the goalkeeper from Norwich, uh, on a loan to buy in January. He's since gone back to Norwich. He played very well when called upon uh, when Ben Anik was injured earlier in the season. So he's gone back to Norwich. And 
the club have been placed under an embargo on registering players. So that means that a couple of loan players have had to return to their clubs. Gary O'Neill, who was on a short-term deal, he's been playing quite well in recent weeks. Bolton can't re-register him as well. So the squad is now even more threadbare than it was before. So things not looking good, both on the pitch and off the pitch now. Mm, grim times, but we're rapidly becoming um, FGR fans on this show, I think, can't we? You two both had loan spells quite a lot. I imagine it's quite a difficult thing anyway to get your head around. You, you, you're essentially working for somebody who's not your main employer. It's an awful position for, for the player to be in in this circumstance. He's not getting paid by the people he's supposed to be getting paid by. As Joe said, it's not like he's been banging the goals in, but that's understandable given the situation he's found himself yeah, in. Yeah, I've been sent back because I was useless, but I mean, this is... i got so much sympathy for the player because... I think the first emotion will be embarrassment a little bit when he has to go back with his tail between his legs to Forest Green, but it's no fault of his own, of course, as um, Joe's articulated. And, and Mark Cooper, someone I know quite well, will be first class with him. I'm sure he'll play for, for Forest Green and their supporters will be delighted. But I feel enormously sorry for him because this isn't someone going from a League Two club to another League Two club. This is someone going, potentially, for someone who's come from non-league as well, someone who's potentially going into the champ well, gone into the championship to be earning life changing money and he could invariably start thinking about being a Premier League player one day. I know we're jumping ahead here because of Bolton are, you know, in relegation trouble, but this is someone who's made a major move in his career. To have it derailed in this fashion is so terribly sad for the player. So I feel so sorry for for him. I feel sorry for the the Bolton lads at the moment, probably to a degree, and of course Joe and the rest of the Bolton supporters because that, they almost get tarnished with this brush at the moment, which they 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 shouldn't. It's the fault of you know the people in charge of the football club, but it's a mess. You hope that Christian Deutsch can get back going, and you hope that Bolton can be resolved and they can rally again and and try and stay in the division and and concentrate on the football. On uh, Christian Deutsch, I echo what, what these two guys have said completely. It's such a shame. I mean, the the money that he will have been pledged for this this three-year deal at Bolton, Forrest Green won't be able to pay that. So he's got to earn himself another move now. He's got to start again. What an opportunity. Forrest Green are actually flying, aren't they, in terms of form? And they've put themselves right back into the promotion picture. The message from Mark Cooper surely now is, Christian, you're back here drive us to promotion and get yourself an even better move. Get yourself to a championship club that's much more secure, much more suited to you than Bolton Wanderers was. It wasn't meant to be. You've now got five months to shine for me and then you'll then you'll you'll learn just as much, if not more. So that that's the challenge, and that's the way that Christian's got to look at it. It's no time for sulking. I'm sure he won't. And I, actually, you know, what an opportunity for him to to go out there and and trial himself for other teams in the championship. Yeah, fingers crossed it works out for him. Well, we've gone pretty long on the FA Cup. The fourth round is at the end of this month. Not sure Robbie Keane and Carla Keane will be asked to make the draw for round five. Uh, we'll get straight into League One. We'll just take a little pause for the cause first. Make this an every Saturday super with the Super Saturday Reloaded coupon from William Hill. Available in all William Hill branches across the UK. With more prizes on offer than ever before, your new Super Saturday competitions offer you the chance to win a share of £1 million and some additional extra goodies specific to your region. All you have to do is select the number of goals, corners and cards across three selected football matches. Super Saturday football and racing competitions are free to enter when you bet £10 at your local William Hill. T's and C's apply, you can find out more at williamhill.com and remember, when the fun stops, stop. 
three matches in League One. We saw Sunderland and Charlton draw. Burton warm up for Man City in style, putting four past Rochdale and Scunthorpe win their third match in a row. But we'll go to Bristol Rovers first. They appointed Graham Coughlin as manager on Monday. Uh, we spoke about him last week and the job he's done in caretaker charge. He said, I always felt I could do a job on this side of the fence. I've been 10 years a bridesmaid, uh, proving he's already got the manager's knack of mixing his metaphors down to a T. Um, since he took interim charge, they've moved out of the relegation zone in League One on goal difference. 27 points from 26 matches this term is their total. He says our target is 50 to 52 points. When we get to 50 to 52, we'll reset our goals. Good choice. Yeah, I think on the face of it, they couldn't give him, not give him the job. 10 points from, from 12. I think it just needed a little bit of enthusiasm and to knit the support base back together there. I think they were all united that um, Daryl Clark's done a great job. And I think the majority could agree that it was the time for him to move on. So I think it was just a bit fragmented. And I think someone who wears their heart on the sleeve, he's been celebrating the results with gusto. He's got a consistent lineup in place, albeit it was a nil-nil last time out. They had seven goals in the last three games, and that's been their big problem. Scoring goals, they've got Stefan Payne, Tom Nichols, an old teammate of mine who's a very good player, Tom, but it's just not happening for him at the Memorial Ground. So I think for all those ingredients, I think he's the right guy at the moment. I spoke to him last night, spoke so enthusiastically, spoke about wanting to get in and not being able to make... uh, that jump and he'd been turned away for various jobs he's been desperate to be a number one now he's got his opportunity at a very good football club so I think still probably need a few additions in January but the predicament is looking a lot better than the one he took over a few weeks ago I saw him a lot at South End um, I've covered uh, in recent years and he's been the number two there for a long long time or he was the number two there for a long long time during largely successful spells I have to say under Paul Sturrock and then Phil Brown and you begin to wonder, you know, I've never really heard anyone say anything bad about him. And yeah, look, wish him well. It's not easy to make that jump from number two to number one, but but he's been part of successful teams. And Bristol Rovers is it's quite, uh, when they're playing well, Bristol Rovers, and they get the big crowds there at the Memorial Ground, it's quite an intimidating place to, to go and play. So they just need to get things going. You, Sam picked up on the right thing, scoring goals. That was the problem. They were drawing too many blanks, but but maybe they can sort of unleash that forward line now and, and kick on. I would now, I'd, I'd back them to stay up. Joe, Speaking of which, what what are the odds on them staying up now? They're in and amongst the the relegation mix, but not in the bottom four. They are two to one for relegation, so that makes them four to eleven to stay up. So looking promising. Bizarrely, Scunthorpe are four to six. They're odds on, and looking at the league table, they've they've started to climb up. But we still think that they are one of the four teams that will go down, along with Plymouth, who are two to seven, Wimbledon eight to fifteen, and Gillingham fill that final spot at six to four according to the odds all right there'll be a bristol rovers supporter who will point out that it's the memorial stadium not the memorial ground as you both said yeah yeah you mentioned scunthorpe there joe three wins on the spin for them now they beat coventry 2-1 adrian this is a ridiculous revival from them they'd lost seven on the spin in all competitions they only scored one goal Mm. in that time uh stuart mccall just needed a bit of time to get him going obviously yeah I don't know. I think he's brought in a few players, hasn't he, already? Straight away, as soon as, as, soon as the clock ticked around to the new year, it was like boom, boom, boom. He's, he's brought in a few. Is it McMahon and Hamill? Hamill's a good player, isn't he? I remember him at Barnsley. He, he's, he can make things happen. 
So, so no, it's looking much better because Coventry had been doing okay. They've been on a decent run themselves. Um, Wooten, I thought, was in, influential in that particular game as well. So, no, Scunthorpe, they were the team that were, they were sliding towards everyone else. They were probably, the, the bottom four were looking at them thinking, yeah, we're going to drag Scunthorpe in. But, but, no, they've got some good players and I think, yeah, that time, time, maybe they've turned the corner. Sam, Burton winning 4-0 at Rochdale. Burton creeping up towards the playoff places all of a sudden. How important is it that they don't get Rotherham against Manchester City in the week and that potentially derail that? No, I don't think we can be too concerned about that, to be honest. What they have had, though, is some amazing results in the Carabao Cup against higher league opposition and had a boost in the uh, following games in the league. So... I think they'll have to put that to the back of their minds when they go to, to Manchester City. And I think they've approached it in the right manner. They've been a little bit tongue-in-cheek about their their chances. One player certainly uh, tried a little bit harder at the weekend. Uh, Marcus Harness with his a hat-trick. Only scored once before, 13 months ago. Brilliant treble, little header. It looked like a right-footed player. I've not seen enough of him to, to tell you exactly what type of player he is, but really accomplished. It looked on his weaker side. Brilliant finishes on his left foot, uh, moving the ball really well. They've got a nice midfield. We've spoken about it before. Alan Fraser, Quinn, who's a a bit of a doubt for um, tomorrow's game. But fantastic result against the club that are probably in the biggest trouble at the moment in, in Rochdale. Players moving on already in the window, missing a lot through illness at the weekend and conceded 13 goals in the last three games. And, you know, I'm a big fan of Keyfield, been a big, big fan of his sides, but they're down to the bare bones at the moment. Been a change at board level. There's a lot going on there, and he was falling out with the fans at half-time. So they're, they're slipping down the, the league, and it's worrying for the Rochdale supporters. Yeah, on, on Harness, by the way, it's a really good stat. In his first 44 appearances for Burton, he started twice. <laughs> this is a kid. That's had to get used to just coming off the bench. That's all. That's the only chances that he ever got, and I think it shows a real strength of character actually for him to now that he's given his first ever run in the team. I think it's five starts on the bounce now, first ever run of starts, and he delivers a hat trick just like that. And that shows a lot of determination on his part. So, so well done to him. I don't know why it took them so long to give him a start, given given how well he finished with the left foot. Absolutely fantastic. But yeah, Burton are on the charge. I've, I've seen them quite a bit this season. The midfield that you talked about is great. But I looked at their fixtures. I, I wouldn't get too excited just yet. They've still got to face uh, seven, seven of the top ten away from home. So, mm. so their season will be dependent on how they travel to the division's best teams. Yeah, I guess they might say, well, it's an opportunity to take points off teams above us. Um, teams above them, including Charlton and Sunderland. 1-1 at the Valley. Sunderland led in this game. Adrian, is that a decent point or a missed opportunity? Fellow promotion hopeful? I think for Sunderland, it's, it's a good point, especially with the second half. It was a bit like the Alamo was it with Charlton coming at them. Uh, it looked a great game of two halves from from the highlights that I saw. Sunderland started great. Lovely volley, wasn't it, from, from Luke Nine Just guided it into the far top corner. But but Charlton came at them. Lyle, Lyle Taylor obviously involved in the, in the game. And it just looked like a high standard match. Obviously, I wasn't there, but it looked, it looked, looked like two excellent teams. And I would now put good money on Charlton definitely being in the playoffs. But I wouldn't write them off of top two. I really wouldn't. I think they've got, because they've got that front two that score goals and the run-in isn't too bad for them. I've, look, I've looked at their fixtures. They've got Pompey and Luton at home, but everyone else they've already played. On the travels, the toughest two games they've got are Doncaster and 
Peterborough away. They've got their hardest games out of the way. So, so for me, Charlton, providing the top, the the front two stay fit, I think they can get top three, top four for sure. Sam, your big mate Johnny Jackson. I'm sure he enjoyed his star turn on the TV on um, Saturday night. He uh, didn't look like he did, did he? <laughs> there was something a bit weird about that. He walked off right, yeah. <laughs> right at the end of the closing <laughs> link. Always love that. Presumably, him and Lee Bowie aren't going to be getting funds to add anybody in January, so they're going to have to they're going to have to get over the line with what they've got at the moment. I'm not too sure. I mean, Johnny Williams has obviously come in from from Palace. Who's going to add them? Real quality. If he can stay fit. Yeah, of thing, course. Uh, I think he's everyone's favourite player at the moment after the uh, Sunderland documentary. I've not seen the, the episodes that he stars in, but he's a very quality player. And I think Adrian's right. You know, they've got a good balance to that team. Mm. Two of the best strikers. Jack Ross tried to obviously get Lyle Taylor in the in the summer. He opted to stay in London and he was probably a big reason for them getting the point. Big fan of Fosu playing at the point of the diamond. Aribo, I've spoken about loads on this show, although there's a big speculation about his future, which is just quieting down the last few weeks. There was talk he was off to the Bundesliga, but massive player for them as well. And um, yeah, I, I agree. I think playoffs is minimum for them now. For Sunderland, I think it could all hinge on Madger. I really do. I know that he's maybe not, maybe doesn't contribute loads in his all-round game, but for the goals alone, I think if he was to leave, which is looking mm-hmm. increasingly likely that could have a massive negative effect on Sunderland moving forward. That said, Wyke and Watmore back fit, back in the mix. I think that will help them start to put games to bed that they're dominating. I think that was the problem again at the Valley. I think if they sell him, that's them done. Mm. That's them done, potentially. I I agree with you completely. There are too many good teams at the top of League One this year for Sunderland to feel that they can get rid of their top goal scorer and still go up. I think if they do sell him, they, they would have to buy Otherwise, I would only see them as playoffs. Mm. All right, well, that was League One. Into League Two next. We'll be there in a jiffy. People of the Totally Football Shows, you know what you could be listening to right here? You, your company, your product, out here in front of hundreds and thousands of listeners who are mostly men between the ages of 25 and 44. As well as the twice-weekly Totally Football Show, we've got a network of other football shows. There's Galazzo for the discerning cosmopolitan listener. There's the Totally Football League Show for the loyal hardy listener. And there's the Totally Scottish Football Show for your listener who likes those big square sausages. And we've got even more podcasts on the way in 2019, some of them not even based around football or indeed sport. To discuss advertising on one of the Totally Football Shows or across the Muddy Knees Media Network, email sales at muddykneesmedia.com. We reach well over a million pairs of ears each week and now you can too. Email sales at muddykneesmedia.com. That's a plenty in League Two for you, but let's start at the bottom where a three-all draw with Colchester brought Notts County level on points with Macclesfield, who lost to Swindon. It's County who remain bottom on goal difference. A rare win for Cambridge. They beat Stevenage. That widens the gap at the bottom as well. And at the top, it's Carlisle who stopped Mansfield's winning run, allowing Berry to leapfrog them into the automatic playoff positions with their 1-0 win at Yeovil. But it's to Carlisle we go first. Goodbye to John Sheridan. He resigned after 26 games in charge with a 50% win ratio. Odd time to do it. We think he's going to Chesterfield. He might well have done that by the time you hear this. It'll be his second spell there. Three at Oldham. Five other clubs on his managerial CV. He's an interesting character, isn't he? Because a lot of the time, he does it his way rather than he just gets sacked from jobs and bounces around the FL clubs. He's kind of trying to take control of his own destiny in a way that you don't often see with managers. 
Yeah, I mean, something's gone on is what I'm reading into it. Um, I don't think it's any secret that there was a falling out on Boxing Day with some senior players. Um, and I played with John Sheridan a long time ago, but I think geographically, maybe Chesterfield would be closer to his home. I'm just throwing that out there as well. So just to soften, maybe everyone thinking it's just about finances, which I've heard as well, he's going to be one of the highest paid outside the top three divisions, um, so the League Two and the, the National League. Um, so I think there's been a few things going on there. What I will say is he's done a brilliant job. They're playing better football than under the previous manager. Got some very good players, six wins on the bounce now. It's really going up there. So that was a phenomenal result beating Mansfield considering the the run that they've been on. and um, That's the way defeat of the season for Mansfield. Yeah, and it made me smile because Neil Bishop was obviously yellow carded for a confrontation with Danny Granger who I played with and then subsequently was forearm smashed by in a game so <laughs> Danny can rub people up the wrong way and now he's playing for his hometown club I can only imagine what he's like at times so that was interesting because Neil Bishop potentially went for him in the uh, the tunnel area or had a go at the ref or something but Mansfield stuck to their principles it sounds and made it into a really open game got a couple back Carlisle, I think moving forward, the finances, it sounds like, are going to dictate this month whether they can keep hold of these loan players or get the, the chap back who went to Rotherham Yates because they've been phenomenal, these loan players. So they're going to have to have a go at it right now, get some money from somewhere, which I, I understand is not necessarily going to be easy, but try and um, get some of these boys to stay who have done so well for them. Yeah, it's not just the manager that's that's going, is it? Because obviously Sheridan worked with a couple of boys at Fleetwood that he brought in on loan. Is it um, Ashley Naderson and, and Jack Salby? Salby scored at the weekend. They're going back. Joey Barton, obviously, has seen that they've performed well for Carlisle. I'll have you, because Fleetwood are treading water a little bit, aren't they, in League One at the moment, could do with an uplift. So so they've they've lost Sheridan, they've lost two influential players. I agree with you on the football. From what I've seen, Carlisle are playing some great stuff, really fast, free-flowing football. So so it's important that they get the right person in to, to maintain that. Yeah, Carlisle, again, I've play, I went there, I had a really short loan spell at Carlisle. I was pretty poor, I've got to say, but so were the team at that particular moment. And, and when Brunton Park is, is empty, particularly behind the goal there, it is a very flat place to go and play football. But I've also been a visiting player at Carlisle when they were flying, when they had Matt Yance and Rory DeLapp and a, a really strong team. And I tell you what, when that terrace on the side of the pitch is, is, is packed to the rafters there, it can be really intimidating. So so I wish, I wish Carlisle the best of luck. It's not easy to see your gaffer walk out on you, especially for a club in non-league football. But... I reckon they can recruit, providing they can uh, stump up enough cash for any prospective choice. They'll, they'll attract a decent manager. Yeah, some good stats on um, Carlisle as well at the moment. 20 goals in their last six, six wins in a row for the first time in more than a decade. Ended Mansfield's 17-match unbeaten run, fourth home win on the spin, 15 goals in the last four at home, five in six for Hallam Hope. They are up to fifth, but from the positivity around them to Yeovil, losing 1-0 at home to Bury, 10 without a win, not one since the end of October, one win in 18, failed to score in five of nine, not scored more than a single goal in a game since October. Sam, is Darren on his way? (laughs) (laughs) I think there's quite an inventive song they've been singing about him, about that exact prospect. I haven't got it to hand, but... Yeah, very difficult. Ten, ten games without a win, uh, I think it is. Understand they, they caused Barry a few more problems in the second half when they went a bit longer. 
Berry were by far the better side, creativity, movement. We've spoken them up a lot, you know, with their their back three and just a midfield of such quality for that level. Dan's and uh, and and Maya players, Maya, sorry. Um, he, he every time I see Danny Maya and the stats, I can't believe someone hasn't take a, uh, taken a punt on him in the last couple of seasons. Late twenties now, I think, and yeah, they've got some fantastic players for this level. Uh, none more so than Nicky Maynard, who's just banging them in. 10 now for him. Lavery alongside him is amongst the goals. So yeah, I put them, Berry, as my, you know, just below MK Dons and Lincoln. That third spot is open, but I think Berry could achievably get that. Yeovil, it's um, going to be very tense because Macclesfield have improved. And I think there's a lot of signs that Notts County can do likewise. Mm. Adrian. Last week, Simon Watts sat in your chair. Um, he's an Oxford supporter, and he was he was lamenting that they didn't get Nicky Maynard, who they were interested in. Berry sort of going under the radar a little bit, but their recruitment's good. Managers doing well. Everything seems to be rosy there, seems which it hasn't been for a while. No, it seems like a happy camp, doesn't it? They're playing some great football. For I don't, I'm reticent to say for League Two because there are a lot of teams that play decent football in League Two these days, not like it used to be. So no, they've got a lovely blend of kids and experience. I echo Sam's thoughts on the on the quality of the individuals, and it's sometimes not that easy to to get a team of of, of classy individual players and, and knit them into a team. But Ryan Lowe's done done a good job of that. Great great work from them. Nicky Maynard was clubless, wasn't he? He was training. Was it a crew? I think he was training a crew. I don't think they could afford to sign him. It wasn't that they didn't want to. But no one, no one has snapped up Nicky Maynard very early on in the summer. So that is a really astute piece of business. And it could make the difference between them going up or not. Joe, no Lincoln in action this weekend. They were Everton in the FA Cup. But some big results at the top of the table. What's it done odds-wise for the promotion race in League 2? If you're looking at the promotion prices, Lincoln and MK Don's, miles ahead of the the chasing pack two odds on teams so we think it's a, a a two horse race for the final promotion spot automatic mansfield two to five berry four to seven uh, and the rest of the teams which we touched on carlisle there they're four to one just behind forest green uh, who will be boosted by the return of christian doidge and his goals uh, colchester four to one uh, exeter 11 to two it's all incredibly tight in the betting there at the top of the table and what about at the bottom because that cambridge wins shaking things up a little bit surely yeah Macclesfield still odds on to go down at 4-9 to nine. Notts County odds on as well at 8-13 to 13. Cambridge pulling away a little bit now 6-1 to one for the drop so they've been boosted a couple of points there that I think were about 4-1 to one before the start of the uh, the weekend's football yeah that's uh, one of the games of the weekend to look forward to Notts County against uh, Cambridge United that is going to be uh, absolutely massive isn't it if Cambridge can Continue their form from the weekend. Was it Amu? Was excellent. So quick to see his goal. Unbelievable pace. If they can beat Notts County, Meadow Lane will not be a pretty place. Um, Elsewhere in League Two this weekend, Mansfield hosting Yeovil. That that looks like a a home banker. Berry taking on MK Dons is a a really interesting game in the promotion race. League One, we've got Sunderland versus Luton. Again, two teams going up in the Championship, Sam. Adrian, a big fan of the Friday night kickoff. Leeds versus Derby, particularly tasty. Wheels coming off a bit for Leeds. I know it was a much changed team at QPR, but a couple of defeats all of a sudden, or is it is it just what happens in the Championship? Obviously, Bielsa's got this reputation of second half of the season, his teams fall away. I suppose we'll have a better idea after the next game, considering they made a wholesale changes for the for the QPR game. So the Forest one was a bit weird. There was all the 
uh, the external noise going on as well. So Forrest produced obviously a, a really good display, but Leeds obviously down to 10 men put on a pretty good showing as well. So no, I don't think it's too much to concern themselves about at the moment. They've been dealt a little bit of a tough hand considering the amount of injuries they've had to contend with this season. But no, I think they're there for the long stay. And what about Derby, Adrian? They, every time you think, oh, they may be having a bit of a wobble, they produce a decent performance. Interested if they spend any money, actually, in in January. Yeah, I, well, I think they need a centre-half because they've got big injuries, haven't they, in that particular position. They've got the, the first-choice Keo and Tamori, but, but behind them, there's, there's really nothing at the moment. So they need cover there. They let Alex Pierce go on loan to, to Reading. I, I always think that, and this has been the case for a long time at Derby, I always think they need a bit more dynamism in central midfield. Like, I like their players. They've got real, lots of experience, uh, some good quality, but, but I think they can be a bit slow at times. Obviously, obviously, Mason Mount's different, but he can be a bit more offensive. Bryson is box-to-box. But I just think they could do with an injection in there. Um, they've just let um, George Thorne go. I know he's not that type of player. He's gone to Luton, hasn't he? But yeah, no, I think those are the two areas. Up top, they're, they're going to score goals. Yeah, apparently they were looking at Ethan Ampadu, but they've been told by Chelsea that they can't have him. West Brom Norwich, probably not going to be nil-nil. That's my <laughs> that's my guess. Fair to say, yeah. I think Darren Moore's another one. That he knows a thing or two about being a centre-half. I, I would be in the market for for a centre-half if I was West Brom. They haven't really settled, have they, on a back three, a back four, a partnership. None of the guys... I don't think have, have convinced consistently enough. So, so yeah, that's that's what West Brom needs. Uh, will Harvey Barnes be there? I, don't, I wonder ahead of that game. Leicester have got to make a call, haven't they, on on what to do with him? But but yeah, that's that's potentially the most entertaining game in the championship this weekend. All right, well that's it for this week's show. Thank you to everyone for getting your questions in. You can do that at your leisure. We're at the Totally Show. I'll be back later in this month. Until then, thanks for your company. See you soon. You've been listening to the Totally Football League show, a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, email sales at muddykneesmedia.com and be sure to check out our other football shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Audio Boom, and everywhere else you get your audio on demand. Supporting your team can be a beautiful thing, but then come the injuries, the goal droughts, and the downright disastrous defeats. That's a little bit like life, really. And here at the Totally Football Show, we believe we should all support each other the way we support our team, through the good days and the bad. And that's why we're continuing to work with Calm, the campaign against living miserably, a charity dedicated to preventing male suicide. On average, 12 men take their own life every day in the UK. So that's your starting 11 and your manager every single day. And part of the problem is that many of us still feel uncomfortable talking about mental health and suicide, and this can often stop men from opening up and getting support when they need it the most. So if you're worried that someone close to you is having a tough time, check in with them and let them know that Calm is there. Every day from 5pm till midnight, Calm provide a free, confidential and anonymous helpline and web chat for any man who needs support. Visit thecalmzone.net to find out more about Calm.